Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good evening. How is everyone out there in podcast land? Welcome to another edition of Advantage Connors. Here is always your host, Brett Connors. Where's Jimmy Connors? Up the coast? Where are you? Up the coast. A little bit north of you in uh, Santa Barbara, as always. You know, loving, uh, loving the area. But, uh, you know, we've been through some, some crazy times the last couple of weeks with, uh, with the storms, with the rain, with everything that's been going on up here. But we've had two days of sunshine. Two days in a row. Yeah, uh, things are going to start uh, clearing out a little bit. And you know, I, I you know, I, I got to say this, brother. You know, I, I'm I'm getting withdrawals. I haven't been able to get out and play some golf. I've had like two two and a half weeks off from playing golf. Damn. So I'm having withdrawals. But uh, if things get dried out, I'll be ready to go. So I'll I'll be ready for you when you come up next time. That's good. You better be. I'm practicing in the house myself. I know I got you those I got you those squishy balls though. Are you practicing you bouncing them off the off the walls uh, pissing mom off like like always or what's going on? Well, I I did a bad thing. I was uh was chipping in the house and and I happened to bounce it off the Christmas tree. Uh-oh. <laughs> and uh-oh. Yeah. I I got I got a little bit of uh of a of a lashing for that, but I could handle it. That's all right. I I only I only broke three ornaments, so it was good. Perfect. So, well, but, the squishy uh, balls uh, are good, but but uh, but, it, but it's it's interesting, better. You know, I I haven't made a full swing in uh, I don't know two weeks, two and a half weeks or so out on the course. But just just my chipping and 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 getting the you know the the mini swing down is 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 kind of making me feel better about my big swing. You know, my longer swing too. So uh, you know, ho- hopefully in the next couple of days we'll be able to get out there and and hit a few balls, which would be great. But uh, I'll, I'll be ready for you. you, you, you I'm, I'm only going to take two aside from you. So Perfect. that's not bad. That's it? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. I think it's a good thing to always keep a club in the house or in the apartment uh, just so you can have it, keep the feel, uh, like you said, or a putter. And like that tweet we talked about before, man, I, I always think about it when I'm on the course now, Hal Sutton, where he said he almost wishes he hit less balls at the range mm-hmm. in his career and just right. uh, did like practice swings. You yep. said you get just yep. as much out of like a full like setup kind of, you know, approach and then do a, a practice swing as you would with the ball there. 
because right, uh, right. because when and it you, doesn't wear you out as much probably too, right? Right. It's it's easier on your body. And then the the thing I thought was interesting that he said was that when you hit a ball at the range, you automatically are looking for what the thing you did wrong, right? Ah, uh, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, so you're always like negative, even about every shot you hit it. What I do wrong? What could I have done better? Why isn't it closer? Is it hooking? Is it drawing? Is it cutting? You know. And so he's like, with a practice swing, you know, there is none of that. It's just, you know, obviously you can say I could, I could swing differently on the next try, but there's no uh, judgment of the ball flight. So, right. The but, feel. You're yeah. looking for the feel. Right. And just that uh, muscle memory, you know, trying to get it stuck mm -hmm. in there. But um, well, everything's good here. Like you said, the rain came and it's kind of cleansed and made the air nice and crisp. It's a little chilly. I was just at the park with Isabella, the mascot, the mm -hmm. golden doodle. Mm -hmm. We did our hour. She had to love that. Yeah, we do about an hour, about a lap. We go into the big dog park, and then that you know, that becomes too much. So we go to the small dog park, and we do laps, and, and she gets her sniffs in. And then we went to In-N-Out Burger, one of the shortest lines I've ever seen for an In-N-Out oh. Burger. Uh, oh, oh boy. You have, oh, you're making me jealous now going in and it, out. It was a toss-up between In-N-Out or... What's our other favorite burger in Los Angeles? Fat, fat burger. burger. Fat burger. You know it. Oh, oh boy. In and out one this time. Fat one next time. It's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a back and forth battle. Well, that sounds like a pretty darn good dinner to me. I'm ready. Next yeah. time. Yep. Next it's, time. It's next time you're down, we'll go. But yeah, so it's good. What What's up? Tennis World. All eyes are in Melbourne, Australia for the Australian mm -hmm. Open. I don't want to talk too much of the specific details because we record this on Wednesday night and it comes out Friday early morning. So some of the stuff might be dated. But yeah, so the big story so far, I think, would have to be the Rafael Nadal uh, defending champion, 22-time uh, Grand Slam champion, went out in the second round uh, to Mackie McDonald, uh, former UCLA Bruin. Shout out. There you go. There you go. I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll give a shout out to the Bruins. I like that. NCAA champion, uh, played really well, but... Um, a lot of the a lot of the focus in the talk was on Nadal not being well. It seemed like he was able to get through his first round match against Jack Draper, but a lot of that seemed to be maybe because Draper ran out of gas, started cramping a little bit in that third and and definitely in the fourth set. But Nadal was able to fight through, and then McDonald just played too good, and uh, and Nadal was kind of nursing a hip injury. It seemed to be the problem. Mm, so right. I just just wanted to see. I know I sent you that soundbite about uh, him in the press. Just wanted to get your take on it. Yeah, I, you know, listen, uh, he, he's finding out what it's like to play when you're in the mid to later 30s. And, and things change. You know, your body your, feels a lot of that pain. You know, he said in that interview that, uh, you know, he's played uh, and been competing at, at such a high level for, you know, half his life. I say more. Definitely <laughs> you know, more. I say more than that. And, you know, especially leading up to, you know, being able to go out and, and to play on, on the main stage, you know, all the work and all the training and, you know, all the hours that you put in, you know, certainly takes a, a toll on your body. And, and the way he plays, Brett, his, his movement and his passion and his go for broke and, and all that. I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, identify with that because that was kind of my style also. And, and, and all of a sudden things start popping up you know, along the way where, you know, uh, you know, I, I remember when my, uh, it was my hip, but, but when it first started, it wasn't my hip. I thought it was my lower back or, or, or I pulled a muscle in my butt or, you know, or something. I thought it was anything but my hip, you know, so I'm getting, you know, work on my back. I'm getting work on my legs. I'm getting, you know, and, and I never even thought about it being my hip, you know? So, and then all of a sudden, 
wow, it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I hope, I hope that doesn't uh, reach the stage with Rafa as it did with me. And, and, you know, you know, I hope he comes back and, and he gets well, and he's, he's able to play because he's certainly has a number of years left in him, you know, in his, his mid to, to, uh, to a little bit later thirties. And he, and if he wants to, to still play, he could s- certainly find a way, but I will say, I wish I would have had my hip done five years before I did, you know, to, to be honest with you, uh, I, I was just scared shitless to go and do it. You know, I, I went to the hospital twice and turned around and because, you know, out of fear, but mm. now, uh, you know, once I did it, Oh my God, I walked out of there and I said, Whoa, I, you know, I, I, I should have had this done five years ago. Really? And, and you know, oh yeah. I mean, because you walk out now and, and, you know, since I've had mine done, you know, to what they can do now, I'm, I'm sure is so much better. And, and, uh, you know, they get you out there, you're, you're up and walking that afternoon. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to get out of the hospital the first day, you know, yeah. they kept me overnight, but, you know, I walked out of there. I didn't need a cane. I didn't need a wheelchair. I didn't need crutches. I didn't need anything, you know, and, 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 uh, but, but the, but the one good thing about it is the pain was gone. Right. That was the key. But you, uh, and, you got it Go. though when you were retired. You were like uh, definitely done. Yeah, but on it the had been tour. coming on for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I got through the main tour in really good shape uh, until I was 40, 41. Mm-hmm. But then then once I got into the senior tour, that you know that was an extra ten years uh, of putting that strain and that stress and then and 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 all of that on you know on my body uh, and you know and playing. You know, playing guys for you know we would play two out of three sets but we'd still play you know you know for for two hours or whatever and, mm-hmm. and that's just a grind continued grinding on your body yeah and and i i felt things coming but you know i i never i could never identify or or i, I shouldn't say identify i should say i was trying to avoid everything saying it's my hip <laughs> you yeah. know I, I was using an excuse for everything and then but once i once i stopped playing the tour and and I would take uh, all our pups out on a run, and and I I saw just how gimpy I really was, and and it, it you know like I say I wish I would have done it you know a number of years beforehand because you know it just every day that grind on the hip and and uh, you know what you go through is it's rough yeah it's rough you know and that's you know I I know we'll talk about this later that's why I look at Andy Murray and go what (laughs) you know know, he's out there you know playing at that level after going through what he's been through with his hips and it's uh it's amazing it's amazing but uh well what they can do now with hips and knees and ankles and shoulders and and all that is uh is pretty incredible but uh yeah painful yeah, I mean, it was tough, tough to watch him. I mean, they they showed his wife; she was pretty emotional in the crowd watching him kind of gut out, you know, stay out there playing when you knew he was in in pain. Um, yeah, like you, you said it. You guys are, I feel like, very similar. You guys are always compared in the way that you play. Like every point is the last point. You go so hard, and both of you kind of, you know, quieted the doubters who thought, well, that that kind of play, that style of play, won't last. They'll burn out. Blah 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 blah. And, you just said you played into your, you know, forties and it all turns 37, I think this spring. So like, yeah, that, that, that theory didn't quite work, but, uh, you just wonder like over time it has to take its toll. I mean, there's just, there's no way that you play that hard 
and, and that long and the kind of long rallies. And you, you said it when you went on the senior tour. I remember you guys made a lot of the tournaments were on clay because it was softer, right. you know, softer right. and, and you could slide and, and, and all that. But also then because it's clay, the points, like you said, would still be pretty long points because, you know, it's on clay. You still had to set the point up and the matches would still be two hours. So you're still out there grinding. Isn't, isn't that amazing, though? What, you know, and I, and I, I listen uh, to Rafa talk. And, and I can still hear the passion in his voice. You know, oh, yeah. he, uh, he's disappointed. Of course, he's disappointed. He's defending champion at the Australian Open. But the passion in your voice, you know, you, you want to play because once it's over, and, and, and we've talked about this since you've been very young, uh, you know, and when you travel with me by yourself, uh, you know, just me and you, uh, when your mom and, and, uh, and, and Aubrey would, would stay home, you'd come with me and we would talk, you know, that that you know the passion in his voice and 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 what that you know what that does for you and and the joy that you get from going out and competing and and putting your reputation and your game and your attitude and just everything on the line every time by yourself right by by yourself you know it, the the feeling is amazing and then and and, and my other thought is that a lot of players, and, and Rafa gets this, Novak gets it, Federer got it also. Because once it's over, mm-hmm. it's over. You know, you, you, can't, you can't all of a sudden go play another Wimbledon when you're 60. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so the passion, you know, that he has saying, I'm, I'm going to get everything I've, I can get out of this game. Yeah. And I'm going to put everything I can into it at the same time. Because once it's over, it's over. Yeah. And, and there'll never be another feeling like it the rest of your life. You know, I've, I've been away from the regular tour since I've been 40. You know, so that's 30 years. I've been away from the senior tour for 20, you know, since I've been 50. That's 20 years. And I'm still, I'll search until, you know, I, I die for something to replace that. And it will never happen. It will never happen. So, you know, the passion that I hear in his voice. I hear that, it, you know, and you sent me that today. I heard that and I'm going, yeah. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I'm almost, you know, my heart beats for that That's... because, because I know just what it means to him yeah, and, and, and how much he loves it, you know, and, and you don't find many guys who say, I want to go out and grind it for five, five, what? Five hours. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, you know, to me, that's why, you know, we've talked, you know, from the very beginning, that's why I can identify with him. You yeah. know, I, I love that attitude and, and he's not afraid to say it. That's what I like uh, just as much, if not more than anything, he's not afraid to say it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. A, a few things like uh, on what you're saying, I think the, the soundbite we're talking about is Nadal after he lost in press, if you go listen to it, but you're right. He understands that it's like it, you're out there. Like he, I think he said something like uh, it's, he calls it like suffering. You know, like the you call it grinding. I think it's like all you guys are all talking about the same thing. It just has a different name for it. But there's like a lot of people who don't like that grind. You know, there's a uh, lot of there's a lot of players who are front runners who are great when they get up and they're serving, they're on serve. You know, and like all that shit. And then there's a lot of players that once it becomes hard and things don't go their way and their A game doesn't pan out, that then they don't like that. You know, right. And so I think that the thing about Rafa that's so awesome in you that you know reminds you of of, uh, of each other is 
that that like willingness to go and be like, look, this is going to hurt for five hours and I'm up for it, <laughs> you know, and then also the soundbite where he's talking, where uh, where my heart kind of like melted was when he was like, hey, like, I like what I do, you know, mm-hmm. like he stripped it of all the other bullshit kind of and you, you forget that this is just a 37 year old, 36, 37 year old man who had any other, you know, any other job would be just coming into his prime, you know? Right. That's right. You know, that's right. But because this guy, you know, starts his, his levels dipping, he's losing some matches. You think you all think he should win and all the expectations we all have of him and he has of himself might not be coming up, you know, it might be coming up a little short at the end of it. He's like, Hey man, like I still like doing this. Meaning like I like playing tennis. I like grinding. I like working to try and get better and like all the stuff that's mixed up in it. And I think we, we get so whipped up and, you know, he has to have this many slams. He can never lose. He has to win this many percentage that you forget that like, Hey man, maybe he just is cool with maybe not winning every match because he still likes just playing like what Murray's doing. You know, right. I, I plus, plus, plus I would think that he's won uh, quite a few uh, events enough. Don't you? I mean, right. it's never enough, but I, I, I think he's left his legacy no right. matter what. I think you he's know, earned the I, right. I, 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 yeah. I, I want to, I want to say this brother. You know, you said about pain, yeah, you know, and he says it's okay to play. One of my favorite lines is from Patrick Swayze in, in Roadhouse. You know, when, when he gets sta- stabbed and he goes in to get, uh, to get his stitches and he goes in and, and the, the doc says, you know, feeling pain. He says, pain don't hurt. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you know, to be honest with you, you know, that's true. Right. Because. Because the only the only time you feel the pain is after, and I mean he'll feel it during and whatever. But but you know he he got through it right. He played through it. He didn't stop. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know and and I and I, I still try to figure out how I want to to take that line in my head. You know, pain don't hurt. Yeah, and it, because because eventually it catches up with you and it does hurt. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, but but the the passion, it, it's amazing what you have inside you that can overcome that. And and you're right. A lot of guys don't like that. You know, if they don't have their A game and, and they're not, you know, 110 percent and, you know, everything, you know, just you know, flowing the, the right way. Hmm, you know, then, the, you know, so a lot of guys like to find the escape, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that it just wasn't my day. Yeah. Figure out how to make it your day. You know, winning at 70%, you know, sometimes gives you more pleasure than being 110% in winning. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's why I like guys who, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of great players, Brett. You know that. We talk about that all the time. They all play great tennis. They all hit the ball well. So what's the difference? Where's the difference? What's the difference between these last 20 years or so between Federer, Djokovic and Nadal and the rest. Tell me the difference. You know, that, that's the question that, that needs to be answered by, by not us, not me and you doing this podcast, but, but the other players, right. You know, what's the difference? What separates them apart from us? They've won uh, between the three of them, whether they won 65 grand slams over the last 20 years, come on. Yeah. So, yeah. so what's the difference? Yeah. 
I mean, the difference is the intangible. I mean, it's a lot of things, but it seems to be the intangibles, the ability. You to, said it. Thank you. The ability <laughs> to do more than one style of play is the That's, big one. There you go. That stands out to me. I saw, like, I was watching some of that Breakpoint Netflix documentary they've been doing, and they're interviewing Fritz, and Fritz is the number one American, and uh, and there's a, he has, like, a quote, and he's like, you know, except for Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, I've pretty much beaten everyone else. <laughs> and I was just like, it's kind of funny, because it's like, yeah, that's probably true, but it's also like, you know, it's like, it's like there's that, we've always talked, there's a generation of players who are almost just, like, waiting for those three dudes <laughs> to, like, retire you know, right. Like, right. Then he can say like, Hey, I've beaten everybody. You know, <laughs> it's, just, well, it's just funny, well, but well, the, it, you know, as good a player as he is, he can come up and say, geez, I played in the time of, uh, of, of Federer, Djokovic and Nadal. I played in that time. Yeah. How'd you do, how'd you do against him? Well, I played in that time. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, just with finishing up the Nadal stuff, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like I, I don't know. Like after seeing Murray, like I, I never thought Murray would do this. You know, I thought Murray, when his hip went that, you know, he'd probably just quit, but he's kind of hung around just because he probably loves the game and he wants to still thinks he has it in him. And obviously we'll talk about in a second. He does, but Mm -hmm. you know, I wonder what's up and it all is going to have to have some tests on the hip and and see what happens and, and all that. I, I wonder if he'll, this might be the end of, you know, for him on the hard courts, you know, does he just, you know, maybe stick to the clay? Like we talked about with you guys on the senior tours, Softer, yeah, be interesting. Easier on the body. You know, does he play past Roland Garros? There's been rumors where he might, you know, some people have said maybe Roland Garros might be his last event. He's going for his like 15th title there. Oh boy. Which is crazy. Good. But um, I, I, I don't know what generation is going to be around when they can beat that. Right. <laughs> you know, it's going gonna, gonna to be quite a while before that, that record is broken. And, you know, but I, I look back better. You know, and 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 uh, he certainly has been a great champion after me. So I've been able to watch that and watch what he has given to the game and his attitude and and all that. And also Federer, also Djokovic. You know, I I've, I've seen a lot of great players uh, before me and after me, and I've seen a lot of great players come and go. Mm-hmm. But but the the legacy left is defined by by your wins, certainly your Grand Slams, certainly the way you played, but it's also the passion that you go out and play with. And, and you know, and, and he's not afraid to show that. And, and, and I've always loved that about him, that he was never afraid to say, you know, how much he, you know, he loved it. And, and he said it even in that interview, yeah. you know, what it, what it means to him. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, a lot of guys, you know, kind of skate through that and, and they don't get that, you know, and, and after it's over, you don't get it. You won't get it because you got to appreciate it as it is and as it happens and, and what it means to you at the time. That's the memories. Right. That's the memories. If you want the memories, yeah. you know, some guys say, well, that's my past. That's me. That's my past. You know, other guys like to relive their past on a daily basis, <laughs> you know, but, but if you're going to, if you're going to relive it, have something to relive, you know, and, and, and what you've given to, you know, from, from yourself and, and to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, you know, I like the top three guys, Federer and, and Djokovic and Nadal. I like them because all in their own way, they, they figured that out and, and they've, they've been successful with that. Mm-hmm. That's proven to, uh, to themselves and to the world, just what it's meant to them. And, and they weren't afraid to show it. And, and I think a lot of that gets lost 
in you know that uh, you know well don't show that don't 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 have a personality don't do, don't be uh, don't don't be a character don't have charisma you know the the three of them have shown just what it means to them by not only their play and their results but their passion and everything they put into the game yeah so yeah how can you ask for any more than that right couple things. Am I talking too much? No, I think Nadal (laughs) has, uh, has earned his right to do whatever he wants. I think, uh, if he wants to lose the next 30 matches in a row, because he's still having fun and enjoying the grind and he's allowed to do whatever he wants, (laughs) all this pressure and people don't want him to tarnish and all this shit just becomes so lame because you know, like, you know, let's say he does it for a year or two and then he retires in five years. This part of his career usually goes away. You know, you kind of usually forget the, like, remember when Namath went to the cold or whatever, you know, this guy went there where this guy went to the shitty team at the end of his career or Rams Namath went, Namath went to the Rams. And then, so the other thing, I think you have to kind of throw Murray in there when you said you like the top three guys. I mean, I know Murray doesn't have the same numbers, but the fact that Murray no. was so consistent, you know, and, and had so many wins and competed along with those other three, you know, for so long. Uh, and, and I just want to get your take, you know, on him. The MO on him the last couple of years has been he usually is able to bring it against almost anybody in the first round where he plays these really good, long first round matches and whether it's a slam mm-hmm. or a, a smaller event um, and has a good record in the first round, you know, over 500 record. But then the fact that he's got bionic hip and, you know, he's in his like, you know, later, mid, later 30s. It, I just, it just becomes, I think, too much to ask for him to put, you know, right. pull him out back to back or two out of three days or whatever we're talking. So just talk to me about like what, because he, he beat the beat Berrettini in five. Berrettini's like 27. Right. You know, Berrettini's like, you know, 10, nine, 10 years younger than him. He's a physical specimen. He's cut, you know, he's built. Um, and Murray fi- just figures out a way, you know, to beat him. And I just wanted to get your take on that. It's a bitch getting old, son. <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess that's the one way to say it, you know, and, and, and you're right. Uh, you know, a lot of guys and, you know, and, and until you brought it up, even me, sometimes I forget about Murray and, and his record and, and, and what, what he has done in his career, you know, the grand slams that he has won. I think he won a gold medal also. Am I right two, there? Two of them. Two, two, two gold golds, medals, three grand slams, right. a lot of runner ups. I think he was a runner right. up at AO four or five times. So, I mean, you yeah. know. Yeah, but how, was, how many other events has he won, too? The number is irrelevant, but it's, it's just a number. It's a big number. You, you know, uh, playing against the, the likes of Federer and Nadal and Djokovic. So, right. you know, his, his voice in there should be heard, uh, of course. And, and, it, and it's my mistake to, you know, to not bring him up because, you know, he almost gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. But, you know, to still be out there grinding against the, you know, those guys. And, and you're right. I mean, it, it uh, playing matches like that, long matches, when you get into, you know, your, your mid or later 30s, the, 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 the sapping of the energy that it takes out of you and, and, and what it takes to recuperate is, is rough. Yeah. It's it, it's rough. So you you know you either and, and plus he's got I know he's got one one bad hip. Does he have two? <laughs> I th- yeah, I think he might. I mean you know okay, here he's got forty six tournament wins, three wow. gr- three grand slams, uh, six uh, six runner ups. Uh, French Open he was runner up, and then five times at the Australian Open. You know, dude from from Scotland. You know he says Great Britain, but he's he's from Scotland. And the other thing right. that I think is cool that I, you know, they think is cool with you too, is that his mom, 
you know, his mom is very supportive. His mom was, got him into tennis and, you know, was his early coach and got him and his brother into tennis. So, you know, she always takes a lot of shit. I've always felt too, over the years, well, you know, for being too, yeah. too out there and too in front or too opinionated and on Twitter or whatever you want to say. And it always makes me think like, well, that's probably some of the same shit that grandma probably had to go through when, when, uh, when you guys were around. Yeah. And that, and that was 50 years ago. Right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, th- times were even different back then, but you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's amazing that, you know, get a, you know, even now, you know, uh, a woman's voice, you know, especially, you know, in a men's game, you, you know, she Murray's mom, well, you know, was getting him you know, ready to play a man's game. You know, your grandmother, my mom taught me a woman's game to play against men. You know, what the hell? People are looking at them like, you know, well, you know, you, you lost your mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how's that? How's that going to work out for you? Well, take a peek. Yeah, we're going to find out. You're going to find out. Yeah, take a peek and look. Yeah. And see and see how it worked. But yeah, it, yeah, it's it, it's a it's amazing. It's a it's a good comparison and uh, uh you know, you you know, you you like him or you don't. You like the dollar, you don't. You like Djokovic or you don't. You like Federer or you don't. But you still look at him, you know, with awe and 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 understand what it's taken, you know, to get where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I'm I'm not I'm not cutting anybody short. I'm not cutting all the other players short. You know, from the past or or, or the present or the, or the future. I'm just saying that you look and and what it's taken. I mean, I I, I remember playing, you know, over in in, uh, in 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 Switzerland and in Basel, and you know, my my ball boy was Roger Federer. You know, yeah. and and you know, and I and, and I I look at that and I'm going really. You know, that that kid from back then, you know, no matter what he took out of that from, you know, watching, you know, whether it was me or whether it was McEnroe or was Borg or, or whoever, you know, you know, hopefully that catapulted him to be who he is and who and, and what he was and what he was able to do, you know, and said, geez, I like that. You know, right. I want to be part of that. I want to be as good as that. I want to be better than that. Yeah. You know, so. De- you know, definitely always, one of the best pictures in tennis. I mean, that picture yeah. is, uh, it's so cool to, to think that, you know, he was just, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, all, one of the ball kids there at the event and came in for a pick and you got a pick and then, you know, who know, who knew then what he would become now, uh, so many years later, it's, uh, it's, yeah. a, it's an awesome, awesome pick. Um, but tennis yeah, is an amazing sport, Brett. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing because, you know, if we, if, if we look back, uh, you know, in the seventies and, you know, and, and how tennis was starting to change back then and, and where it was going and, and where it's ended up now. It's an amazing story. Yeah. It is real. It's an amazing story. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Your pet's a member of the family. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them Nom Nom. 
Nom Nom delivers fresh food with every portion, personalized to your dog's needs, so you can bring out their best. Nom Nom's made with real, whole food that you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. They've already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. I love my mini golden doodle Isabella so much and feel so good about giving her better nutrition. I want her to live a good long life, so that's why I give her Nom Nom. Plus, it comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash Connors. That's T-R-Y-N-O-M dot com slash Connors for 50% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Enough on the men's side. Djokovic uh, plays later today. He's kind of been uh, under the radar with the Nadal stuff. I'm sure he'll get more into the picture as the tournament goes along. But um, on the women's side, everything seems to be going pretty smooth. Not a lot of upsets yet. Swiatek uh, into the third round. The Americans looking pretty good. Keys, Pagula, Coco, all looking good. Coco took uh, beat. Emma Raducanu, who, you know, doesn't seem, mm. she, she's struggling to kind of get consistent. And, uh, and the health, seems like she's been battling some health issues uh, herself. One thing I thought was funny was Collins, who we've talked about before, uh, tweeted, you know. Oh, he, I wanted he, to ask you about her. Yeah, Dan, Danielle Collins, uh, you know, talked about her at the U.S. Open, tweeting at you or something like that about your backhand. And uh, she had a funny incident. So I don't know if you knew this, but all the Grand Slams now in the fifth set and the third set for the women, if it goes to the tiebreaker, they now play a 10-point breaker as opposed to the regular seven. And so uh, Collins was playing like her second-round match and, you know, rally, ball goes, you know, goes wide, sails long, and she tosses her racket and like screams at her her box and and no one else is like cheering. Everyone's kind of like looking at her like, huh, why why are you (laughs) celebrating, you know? And uh, she walks up and and the umpire's like, you know, 10-point breaker, Ten point breaker. Oh. You know? <laughs> uh, rule change. Rule change. So she had to go back, yeah. but she was she composed herself and, and pulled out uh, pulled out the win in the breaker. So I just oh, wanted good. to see what you thought, women's side. Any any thoughts going into kind of the second week? Yeah, I mean, you know, don't don't you look who's who's number one? Swantek, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It, and you know how how is she fit into the first couple rounds? You know, is she's she, pretty is she good. cruising? Yeah, she's looked good. Cru- Yep. Cruising. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I like, you know, we, we talked about Coco, Coco golf. We talked about Danielle Collins. We talked about the Americans and Sabalenka looks pretty good. That's what I was going to ask you about, about her. I think, I think she won, uh, she won easily. Yep. She's yep. had two straight setters. Uh, so she's into the third round. The whole thing with her is like her serve, you mm-hmm. know, is she going to be able to protect that serve and like, man, just I mean, you know what? Like when you watch her, you're like, I don't give a shit if you spin it in at like 40%. Right. Make the other girl hit a winner. You yeah. Know what don't, I mean? don't give it to them. Right. Don't give like it just to giving, them. Make them earn it. Like, earn like it. we talked about last week or whatever, like 10 to 12% of her, she was double faulting on her serve. Oh boy. 10 or 12%. Oh boy. 
That's a lot. And to just like, you know, I bet you if you just get that in, spin it in at 50%, like the other girls, it's almost going to be like a knuckleball. The other girl probably might not even know what to do with it. And then if she hits a winner, <laughs> if she hits a winner. What's the difference? What, what, right. what it's it's more shameful to get a winner hit on you than it is to double fall 12%. Right. You know? So well, she's good TV. Know, I love watching I'm, her. I hope she keeps it up. I'm sure she's got a, a, enough uh, coaches and, and uh, staff around her, you know, and hopefully they know, uh, you know, how to cure that, you know, traveling with a number of people that, uh, you know, that that's probably somebody's job is to say, look, you know, you got to figure out how to, to make this happen, how to get the ball in, how to, how to make your opponent earn every point. And I, I look back and, and uh, you know, from, from your grandma, my mom, who coached me and until she handed me over to Pancho Segura, they beat that in my brain every day. Make your opponent earn it. Don't give them anything. You know, I mean, obviously, stuff happens along the way and, and uh, you know, uh, they can't be helped. But, you know, the idea is to hit one more ball, make, you know, make them earn every point so that they know that no matter what, they're in a fight. Yeah. And, and, and the only way that they're going to win is to win. I'm not going to give it to you. Right. You know, that's, you know, some, you know, and I, I didn't walk off the court often where I was pissed off at myself. But the few times I did walk off, I said, uh, I, I said, that that's on me. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it to him. My yeah. fault. <laughs> you know, but but if you make your opponent earn it and that gets in their head, you never know what happens. Right. Everybody was saying, oh, you know, you, you, it's a head game and you're you're doing this and you're doing that. You know, that's what sports is. Sports mm-hmm. is a head game. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and if you can't handle it, maybe you should find something else to do. Yeah. Got to train the head, got to train the mental, just like the physical. Yeah. I think that gets lost a lot along the way that, you know, and and that's an intangible, brother. That's an intangible. But you can't say that anymore. Mental toughness. Not supposed to say that anymore. (laughs) You know, but, but, you know, Christ almighty, I I was, I was raised, you know, raised and trained by my grandfather also that, that, that if I didn't have that, you know, he, he would have said, you better stay in school, Jimmy. <laughs> you know, I, I know he would have, you know, because that, that was all part of it. He was a boxer. He was in the ring and he knew what that meant, you know, and, and how far that can take you, you know, and, and, you know, now you can't even say that. And, and, but I'm saying it, I, I don't really care. I'm 70 years old, Brad. I don't care, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, that, that's an excuse now. Yeah. yeah. It, it's an excuse. Well, I think, uh, I think the women, like there's some American women who can make a run. I think there's still some men, American men too, with Fritz and Tiafo, uh, yeah. looking good. Cord is still alive, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Coco plays uh, Para, two Americans going at it, so that'll be fun. All right, that's enough tennis. Let's move on to the NFL playoffs. Sadly, the Dolphins' Ugh. up and down season came to an end. Not exactly the way everyone thought, though. They were two touchdown underdogs going into Buffalo with our third-string quarterback missing our first-string uh, running back and about half of our starters. Quickly went down 17-0 and then right. started to claw our way back. Three straight field goals plus a, a touchdown and a two-point conversion before the half. Got us back to even, and then it was back and forth from there. We were down three, driving, and some suspect clock management. We ended up getting a false start on fourth and inches. 
stupidly. We won't really know if we would have tied it or taken the lead there. Anyways, moving on to this week, we got some good. But you, you've, you've got good things in the future. I mean, I hope so. I mean, the, yeah. the, and, and Tua, yeah, Tua is going to come back as a starter, hopefully. Hopefully. Right? I've seen them floating Tom Brady being a perfect fit, which just sounds ridiculous to me. Like, great, we're going to get Tom Brady when he's just gassed at the complete end of his, his career. I mean. For you know, one year. For one year. Right. We're going to give up on Tua. Who could we get out for another 10 years? I mean, I still, right. Tua just needs to figure out how to, like, get a better helmet and, like, you know, learn to, like, fall better when he gets tackled. But. I mean, he had pretty good numbers. Yeah. I don't want Brady. Brady can stay in the Bucks. Brady threw for 66 times to get his 300 yards in that loss the other night. That's uh, not a high average there. But um, mo- moving on, Jacksonville yep. at the Chiefs we got Saturday. Mm. Uh, mm. Jacksonville had that amazing comeback. Yes, over the Chargers. Oh, down my God. 27, 27 down, and they come back to win that. Crazy. Um, you know what they say about that prevent defense, Brett? Prevents you from winning? That's it. <laughs> All I know is is yeah, that's that's one game I know. I'm glad I don't gamble anymore. Yeah, because that that TV would have been in a million pieces. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about it though, not, not that I have a bad attitude or anything, but uh, what the hell? The thing about it now though, like, is if you gambled now, like, there's a lot more ways where you could like minimize that. So like at 27, nothing you could throw like on the live line, like Jacksonville was like 20 to one to come back. So you can mm-hmm. literally throw 5% of your initial bet as a hedge. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. now with all the technology and the, and the ability to bet so much, you, you be ways to like ensure yourself to not get like crushed in, in games like that. But chiefs are eight and a half at home. That's, Wait just a moment. Are you, are you trying to get me back into <laughs> I'm just saying. Wait a minute. We're going to have to talk about that. We'll talk about that next. <laughs> okay. Chiefs eight and a half against the Jags. Uh, other game Saturday is mm. the Eagles against the Giants. Divisional game. Gi- uh, Eagles mm-hmm. seven. That mm. seems like could be a lot just because those games always uh, play close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, both numbers are big, right? Yeah. Sunday, Bengals at Bills. Bills five and a half. And then Where the, is that game? Bengals at, at Bills? In Buffalo. In Buffalo. Uh-huh. And then uh, Cowboys at the Niners in one of the best uh, rivalries kind of over the years. Uh, Niners wow. are three and a half with Brock Purdy. Seems to be the next big thing there. Um, filling in third string quarterback has been amazing. Uh, they just keep winning with him. The Cowboys come to town after dispatching Tampa. And not mm-hmm. a very good team. Hard to tell what that win was because Tampa doesn't seem to be that good. Um, but what do you think? What are they going to do, do with the Cowboys uh, kicker? Oh, yeah. Did you see that? I, I did. Four yeah. extra points he missed? Yeah. Well, what, you think he still have a, has a job, or you think he will have a job, or are they looking for somebody else now? Well, the, weird, the, the, the shadier part is when you go ahead and take a quick gander at what the over and under was for that game. I knew you were going to bring that up. 45, <laughs> 45 and a half. Right. Guess what it landed on? 45. 45. Yeah, it's just just crazy. I mean, it's just just like, hey, if you're going to bet the under kicker, at least let us know so we can get down on it, too. Right. (laughs) You you said it the other week. If if, if you're not in on it, you're out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big club and we ain't in it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What uh, do you think? Any any of those you like? Well, uh, uh, Dallas looked pretty darn good. Yeah. Dallas, uh, you know, uh, Minus the kicker, 
Uh, you know, and I'm sure if he's going to be around, I'm sure he, he's got a scolding, uh, you know, and he's uh, he's going to come back a different uh, different player if he's still on the team. Mm-hmm. But Dallas looked pretty darn good. Yeah. And uh, see, Buffalo, who'd you say Buffalo plays? Cincy. Uh, Cincinnati. Cincy. That, that I, I like that. Yeah, that's a good game to me. That's uh, seven's a lot. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, five and a half. Even that was it, five and a half. But still, oh, five, five and, and a half, half seems like a lot, too. I mean, yeah. Buffalo just seems to kind of keep winning because their quarterback is so good. You know, it just keeps putting him on his back and winning. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't know, can they keep it up? The Bengals have a lot of offense. Joe yep. Burrow's really good. I don't know. That should be a good game. Everyone's, like, hoping to see Buffalo-Kansas City because that was such a good game last year. But, I mean, Bengals-Kansas City would be good. All, all the matchups that could happen seem like they're pretty fun. Cowboys are tough to say because they get to this position a lot historically. I think that was their first road game, playoff game in, like, years. You know, like decades or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't so know. So what would you think? It's a teaser weekend? You know, you know what they say about teasers. Teasers for suckers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and you're talking to one. I, I was one. I'll, I'll go along with that. I. And, and but uh, wouldn't it be a teaser weekend? It could be. I, you know what I like is if you think that the books are always so good, right? They're so close at getting these lines that like what I like to do is watch the live line, you know? Mm-hmm. So like watch, let the book over, uh, overcorrect for a score. So if like the favorite team <clears throat> gets down, you know, and they're a four point favorite and they get down seven, nothing or something, that line's going to go from four to like one, you know what I mean? It's going to mm-hmm. adjust. And right. then if you think in your mind, like, hey, these books have it down pretty good, so they're probably going to even themselves back out to the original line. So if you can find spots where you're getting three or four more points or giving up three or four less points than you were on the pregame line, I think there's like a lot of like value to be had just kind of sitting and, and trying to find that kind of stuff. Yeah, but you, you got to be on that. Uh, and, and, and be down watching that. You can't make your bet and then think everything's going to go okay and then go play golf. Yeah. You you got no you, you got to be watching you, it. You got to be watching it is right. Yeah. And and uh you know and and I and I know, you know, uh tennis and live betting and tennis and you know, you you got to be on it. You can't, you know, uh, walk away from the computer and and do all that and uh, uh you know, the the more we talk about it, the more interested I get in it myself to where I'm I'm going to get in into that and try to learn that a little bit more. You're going to have to help me along the way. <laughs> To, okay. To, I mean, I'm 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 not saying you know that I. Uh, well, yes, maybe I yeah, am. Yeah, <laughs> you are. Come on. Yeah, uh, maybe I yeah. am. Well, yeah. but that the fun but, part is but, like is the hedging or the or the yeah. or the yeah. trying to that, get both sides. You know, like if a team goes down and they're a two point favorite and then they become a two point dog, then you can have both plus two. You know what I mean? And it's like right. you know, or you can find ways, or you can try and middle it more, and 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 it just gives you more strategies to try and at least like try and minimize your losses, so you're not just getting well, crushed. Like I don't, you, I don't know if I could if I could get up every morning at uh, eight <laughs> o'clock and and go through the you know the four papers and all that anymore. I don't I don't think I could take <laughs> that anymore. <laughs> just flip a coin; it's easier. <laughs> but it's fun to talk about. It certainly is fun to talk about. Yeah. All right, that's enough NFL. We'll see what happens. I mean, it, it it's tough. I don't really none of the games jump out because a lot of the lines are kind of big. But uh, I think I'll be hunting on the live line and uh, and seeing if I can get a better number. Okay, a couple of listener questions. I know we've teased it and haven't talked about it the last couple of weeks, but just wanted to give you a couple questions from some fans out there. Before we get into that, and I'm looking forward to that, we, we had dinner the other night with uh, 
with with our friends and and Dr. Rick Scheinberg and his wife Nora. And uh, Doc Scheinberg took care is taking care of me for yeah. uh, I don't know over over thirty years. Uh, you know, with reconstructing my wrist and my knees and my feet and and and, and all of my shoulders and all and all of that. And we had dinner with him the other night, and and uh, you know we had such a great time. And and we're, I want I, I would love for him to come on our podcast, Brett. Get him on. Because, we need guests. <clears throat> well, I I, I think uh, I, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna text him uh, tomorrow and ask him you know when he could do it because I mean we we talked about so many interesting things and and we had so much fun that that he would he would be great on our podcast and you know some of the you know, some of the surgeries that he's done and, and some of the people that uh, that he's looked after and taken care of and, you know, helped along the way. And, and uh, I mean, it was yeah. just, a, you know, we, we, we had a great evening and, and uh, you know, uh, and, and shout out to, uh, oh. to Doc and Nora. We had a great time. The dinner was great. And, Get him uh, on. and the company was even better. Get him on. I always think the, one of the funniest stories or not funniest, but most random is how he did your wrist. And when you were recovering from it, you, you guys, you would go to the Santa Barbara city college track and like run the stairs and run the track and, you know, whatever train. And he would come down there and meet you and then, and, and like run with you and stuff. And he used to play tennis with some people from LA that would like drive up and, and play tennis with him and some people in Montecito. And one of those people was Jim Rome, but this was yeah, like, that's bef- right. this was before Jim yeah. Rome was like Jim Rome. This was in like, you know, uh, 1990. Or something like that, you know, 1991. And so Rome was, you know, an up and coming sportscaster and and he came out and like met you and and a couple of times where you trained. And so like Rome, like Rome has this like small part in like your 91 comeback run. And I think oh, always, yes, he does. always think it's, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, please like there, you know, and I was like, uh, we went on his podcast, he had us on and we, and we told that story and it's, it's a, it's a funny story. It's cool. Cause that's Dr. Scheinberg's the one that like brought up all that together. You know, he did, yeah. did the surgery and then knew him. And then, and then, you know, it was like a, a cool moment in time. So we'll get him on to ask him anytime. I'll drive up and we'll do it in person in, in the Perfect. old kitchen. Next, next time you're up. Next time you're up. It'd be great. Okay. It'd be fun. Two questions. Carla yep. Roberto. Dear Jimmy, thanks for all the fantastic Wimbledon memories. Who were your tennis heroes when you were growing up or your inspirations? Especially since you were a counterpuncher yourself in an era of serve and volley. Take care. Come back to Wimbledon. Oh boy, uh, let me let me rewind here and uh, let's go back when you know when I was coming up and and before I turned pro, it was you know that that was uh, before open tennis. Open tennis didn't come around until 1968. So uh, you know the great players that uh, that you would think about would be Laver and Rosewall and Pancho Gonzalez and Newcomb and Sedgman and Tony Trabert and. Uh, you know, and then, you know, Ash and Smith and, you know, those guys are all four five, six years older than, than I am Gonzalez, uh, quite a few years older, but, uh, yeah, I, I never had heroes. I had everybody that I had respect for. And, you know, I, I would like watching Laver for a reason or Rosewall for a reason or Segura for a reason or Gonzalez for a reason. And, and and I didn't ever want to take their game. I didn't want their game, but I wanted what they had uh, that could help my game, and 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 to add to me getting better, whether it was a, a serve and volley or or a, a slice backhand or a, try to figure out a way to get a bigger serve or 
you know, or my movement or, or, or whatever. I was trying to pick out from all of them, everybody that, uh, that I was able to watch. And, and, and your grandma uh, uh, took me to New York when I was, I'm thinking, you know, 10, 11, 11, 12 years old to watch the U.S. Open. We drove up there to watch the U.S. Open at the Forest Hills. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, oh, my God. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in, I'm watching in, and uh, my brother, he, he he was up in the bar serving drinks to the you know to the players and 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 into you know to to all the fans. I was sitting there on, on the you know watching every match, and you know it was glued to it. I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. And and it do you was, remember who you, you know, saw? Uh, mm, that's, that's no. I mean, it was you know it was we were up there and it was like a whirlwind you know, cause it was two or three days and then back to school and, you know, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but, but the experience and, and the drive back and forth and, you know, the talking tennis and, you know, that's, that's one thing that, that, uh, you know, my mom and, and my grandma, your, your grandma and great grandma, you know, were never shy of was talking tennis to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and they, they never forced that on me. They, yeah, it was up to me to bring that up. And, you know, how could I get like that? How can I be the, how can I get here? What's it going to take for me to be a part of this? You know, and, you know, back then, uh, son, you know, there was nothing back then. There was no money back then. Mm-hmm. Tennis was just trying to come into its own, you know, and, 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 and to, when you, you know, to grow. When you saw, and, when you went there, did you, did you say, this is what I want to do? Was there something uh, that like clicked? I, mean, and you're I, like, I, knew, I knew I wanted to do that before I, I, I even got there. Mm-hmm. You know, you know ten, tennis was in my blood and, and, uh, you know, it, because of my, you know, my upbringing with, you know, with my coaches, my mom, you know, my family taught, you know, that, but, you know, to me, you know, you asked me, I was born to play this game. I was born to, yeah, it, because, it, you know, and I, and I say that with such utter respect because there's nothing once I got a taste of it and, and, and even as a, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old being able to travel down to Florida or go to New Orleans to play the Sugar Bowl or go to Dallas to play the Cotton Bowl or, you know, or whatever to, to whatever it would take to go play a tournament. I liked it. Yeah. You know, it was, it was something, you know, it was, it was something that just attracted me and brought me in. How did you, and, uh, how did you watch tennis back then? Because like now, you know, today people think, well, you just type in your favorite player to YouTube and there's the highlights, you know, like how were you able to, you know, watch the the pros from back then to be able to watch Laver or, or Gonzalez or, you know. Well, Newcomb. you had to go. You had to be at the you know, event. For me, I mean, you know, you know whether, you know, I, I, I was I was lucky because, uh, you know, my mom uh, knew Pancho Segura. She knew Pauline Betts. She knew Bobby Riggs. She knew a lot of the you know, a lot of the players, because that was her era. That was, you know, who she played with when she was younger and grew up and became friends with and, 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 and uh, kept that friendship over years. So, uh, you know, and, and that's the story of me coming here. Pancho Segura yeah. came through St. Louis. You know, my mom goes, you know, go tell, would you please tell Pancho Segura that, that Gloria Thompson is here, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and, and boom, you know, it was, it was like, it was like they they they'd never been apart, you yeah. know. They they never lost their friendship, and and that's how you know how I got to come to California. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was fifteen, sixteen years old, and and you know the you know the the life of that, you know, for me, 
it was, I don't, I don't know what it was. I, I can't put my finger on the one thing that, that drew me to it. I, I, I think what drew me to it is that it was one-on-one, that it was me against whoever or me against whomever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it could have been my opponent. It could have been the fans. It could have been, it didn't matter. I like that. And, and I think that's one thing that really drew me to it because I was always better on my own. Uh, and 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 going after it and and trying to be what I could be the best I could be on, on my own without with without anybody else helping me outside of you know those who were teaching me mm-hmm. and and whether whether that was right or wrong hey it got me where I was it got me where I've been and and it's got me here now talking to you on this podcast you know so <laughs> you know nice. you know so all it's, right uh, I like it. It, it yeah it's fun. It's fun. Um, I that's a good question. It's good fun answer. to reminisce. I don't do this. I you know I <laughs> I don't talk about my past, bud. You know that, right? You know, except here. I mean, my past is is my past and what it was, and and I loved it and I lived it. But it's not something I I get up every morning and say, "You remember in 1978? No. I was you know I, I know you're yeah. not like that at all. No, I'm not like that at all. No, but it is fun to reminisce. And then like when we get good <clears> questions, it's uh it makes it fun to do because. People give us a good a good way to go. One more question before no, we... let me let me answer his question first. I, yeah, though I looked up to Pancho Segura because he took me in, and and he had the personality that I loved. You know, he he was fun. He was a hard worker. You know, he wasn't afraid to show his passion and his love for the game and to draw the fans in. I love that, uh, and and I also felt the same way about Pancho Gonzalez. Because he was badass. I, he was, I mean, he was, to me, he, he was the best player ever because he had it all. Uh, he was a big, big guy, six foot four. He had a great serve, a great volley, uh, gr- uh, uh, really good ground strokes, but he could move. So I was lucky. I had two guys that had two different styles, two different games, two different attitudes who took me in mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of gave me. And, and, and they didn't give me, I was able to take off of each one what, what kind of fit into to me and, and, and to, to help me become better. And, and uh, uh, as much as I admired all the other greats, I think those two had the greatest influence on me. Yep. And they're definitely two of the bigger characters the game has maybe ever seen as well. If, uh, if all the stories I've heard are correct, they had big personalities and, and super charismatic dudes. I mean, I knew Pancho Seguro, so. But Gonzalez, yeah. I, I don't think I, I really ever met, but um, definitely legends and had a good impact on, on your life because you ended up being pretty charismatic yourself there, big guy. Eh? Yeah, well, thank, well, thank you. Eh. <laughs> all right, one more question. Diana Durance. Yep. Hi, Jimmy, love you. Question is, when, if ever, did you realize or feel that you had changed tennis? When did you know that people who weren't even tennis fans were watching tennis because of you? Thank you. Yeah, thank, thanks for that question. It's a great question. And, and you know, the, the, the early 70s, early to mid-70s really started changing the game. Uh, and, and, and no one person can do it on their own. You know, uh, you consider, thank you for the question and, you know, what, what I did. But I was a part of a group of guys who, who had their own personalities. They had their own, they were their own characters. They had charisma. 
they had charm, they had attitude, they they had all of that, you know, which which drew more than just the real tennis fan to the game. Yeah, because back if you if you go back and you look in the mid to later 70s and in early to mid 80s, the every public park court, every high school or college tennis court, you couldn't get on. You were waiting two, three, four deep just to get your 45 minutes of play in, you know, and 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 it and it wasn't just at a certain time. It was all day long into the evening. Mm-hmm. And because we we played a style and we had an attitude and and a way to identify with the fans that that they could play our style of game. They could go out and and hit a drop volley and say, I saw Nastasi do that at the French. Did you see that? Or they could hit a top spin lob and they say, Vilas hit that at the US Open. What a great shot. I learned that from him or Borg or McEnroe or 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 whoever. You know, but they felt that they could play like us. You know, it's changed today. The game's turned into a different game. It's a power game with the rackets and the strings and the balls and the courts and the, you know, wah, 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 whatever, whatever you want to say. But we identified you know, with not not only the, the true tennis fan, but but we had the the ability to draw other sports fans into our game. You know, yeah. a hockey player wanted to go see a fight. Well, <laughs> come on, you know, come on in and watch. You know, we, we may not go fisticuffs, but, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, fight for, you know, what we think. Yeah. You know, and, and think, give it. Go. I was just going to say, I think uh, the fact that when TV, when you guys brought TV kind of into it, it you, you're right. It came in at such a, a good time because you had so many different like styles and different characters and, and like with other sports, most of the people who play football or uh, and rivalries, right? And rivalries, right? Rivalries, but like with other sports that were already kind of big or might have been on television, like NFL or you know NBA or ABA or whatever it was, most of those, almost all of those players were American, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like a NBA didn't even start bringing in like a European players till like late '80s, early '90s or something, you know. That's so, a good point. You know, so when TV came in, it was like all of a sudden, boom, here's this new sport. It's individual. There's no helmets on. There's no masks on like in hockey or football. You can see their faces. They all play kind of different styles because like you said, the equipment was different back then. It allowed for people to kind of play a, a variety of different ways. And they're from all over the world. And I think mm-hmm. that, that helped benefit tennis too. That like you said, Vilas, South America, Borgs from, you know, Europe. You know, uh, whoever else, this guy's from, you're from America, you know. Dilas from Argentina, Clark from Argentina. Right, right. You know, me and McEnroe and Dibbs and Solomon and Tanner and Stockton, you know, Geralitis, all from the United States. Right, Laver you know, from it, Australia, all the Australian right. greats. Newcomb. Yeah. Newcomb, Rosewall, Roach, you know. It and was, so, like, it, it brought, we like, all these. International, is yeah, right. It was, like, kind of first international-ish sport that, that, and then on TV it played so well because it was just a one-on-one. You were able to kind of go like, you know, Borg's the Iceman against, you know, Connors and, and, and his fierce, like, you know, grind or, you know, McEnroe and his hot head or Velos and, and his like smooth style or like whatever it is. It was so unique. It was so different back then. And I think, you know, like you said, like uh, the courts, you couldn't play. And nowadays they're, they're trying to take all the courts and turn them into pickleball courts. Right. You know? no, that's, yeah. Well, like, well, you, like, you, so you can, like you can see what's taken over then, you know, obviously you know, it, does that mean that pickleball has become that popular or, or tennis is become less popular? 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think because it's a little of both. I guess. I mean, pickleball is is a growing sport. That's kind of its own little thing. And then tennis over the years is you know it's it's not as as popular. You know, still tons of people play it and love tennis, but I feel like it's uh it's just different. Like a lot of the TV, it's it gets put to the apps now instead of even being on on the main channel on some channels. So, you know, I think, uh, like it was such a golden time too, because you said like a lot of, like when you watch old seventies and eighties movies, a lot of the scenes, the person will be like coming or going to play tennis. <laughs> you, you know what <laughs> I mean? Right. Like there's a lot yeah. of scenes where it's like, Hey, I'm going to play tennis. I got a lesson at 10 or like whatever it is. There's all this tennis intermittently like spread out through like pop culture in like the seventies and eighties. And it just kind of shows you how big it was because they're, you know, you're writing it into all the scripts. Well, we, we, we had a good Great. I'm not going to say good. I'm saying we had a great group of international players that helped make tennis uh, draw other sports fans into our game. You, you know, to to be a part of what we did. Uh, you know, whether you know whether it was football, baseball, basketball, hockey, uh, soccer, whatever. You know, a lot of a lot of those fans came over to to be a part of what we were doing at that time. Because they all could identify with somebody and, mm-hmm. and, and the way they played or their personality or what, whatever they were offering. And, and, uh, and, and believe me, you know, uh, back going back into those days, into the 70s and, and the 80s, we had characters, you know, with charisma and you know, weren't afraid to voice her opinion and, and, and take full responsibility for it. Right. You know, so, you know, I, I look back, Bretter. And, and, and I say, you know, all the rules today, you know, we made those rules, you know, because of back then, I mean, it was the wild west, you know, we were trying to figure out our own, you know, mm-hmm. let, let alone trying to figure out anything else and try to figure out our own way to get by, you know, and, and, uh, you know, how to, how to act, how to react, how to be a part of it and how to fit in and, and all that. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the, you know, did we step over the line? And I've said this many times, of course we did, but that was the fun part of it. <laughs> you know, we weren't crying about it. Got to step know, over it. You, so you know where it is. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that was the fun part of it. But, you know, like I said, you know, your, your uncle nasty, I had to quit playing doubles with him because he got me fined too much. <laughs> so, so, and, and, uh, by the way, a shout out to him. I miss seeing him. Uh, you know, I used to see him a couple of times a year. I don't see him much anymore, but a shout out to him. I miss him. Yeah. would love to get him on someday. If, uh, if we can track him down, don't know where he's at these days, but miss him as well. Um, good show. One quick thing that I saw on, uh, on Twitter that came up a golf thing that we can end with. Okay. Uh, there was like a back and forth between, I think it was like Furick and I don't know who it was, but it, they were talking, someone put up a picture of those lame golf bags that have like the 13 compartments, <laughs> you know, 13, 14 compartments, or whatever, one for each club. And no they boy. said, where do you put your putter? And it numbered them, one right. to, you know, one to 13 or 14. I can't remember if it was, uh, which one right. it was, but, and then people were commenting and all this stuff. And uh, I mean, first off, you shouldn't have a 13 compartment golf bag. Those are like, Bleh. You know, <laughs> those are not good. You do not want that. It's, you need them to be close to each other so they can communicate and talk to one another about the round. All um, right. But, and then, so, oh so I'm going to let you answer first. Where do you put your putter? Do you put it in the top, like with the woods, the three wood and the driver? Or do you put it on the side with the irons? Or do you put it uh, down with like the wedges? Well, 
uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Unless I'm unless I'm playing in a you know in a competition or a tournament, I I might have 16, 17, 18 gloves in my bag. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you have the eighteen compartment so, one, huh? So I might I might just you know keep it in the cart. But if I if I was if I was playing in a in a competition and the fourteen club rule and all that, I would put it up with my driver. Okay. Yeah, and and the reason being is because I care. I have six wedges. Okay. And, uh, and, and so, and, and I don't have a, a three wood, so it would, it would fit, uh, certainly up there with my driver just on its own and it would be easy access. And, uh, uh, you know, some, sometimes, you know, I'll be honest with you and you've told me this many times, you know, my, my, my putter is, uh, sometimes <laughs> need to be put away for a while. They, right. You know, they, they don't treat me so well as, uh, as well as I would like it to, but, uh, I, I, I need to you know, take, take better care of my putter so that, uh, it starts treating me better. So I would give it some room, be up there with the driver and, uh, uh, and, and have a little space so it can, you know, right. treat me right. Okay. Um, I, I've kind of gone back and forth. I used to always do it in the bottom with the wedges. Then I went to the, uh, to the top cause it had more room. Cause I don't really carry that many woods. I barely carry like a driver and, and a hybrid. But then I've, I've since reading this tweet, changed my mind. I think I have to go back to the wedges because what uh, I can't remember is Faxon or Furick. He said, you got to do it in the bottom because the, the putter mm. is the heaviest club in the bag. And it's also the shortest club in the bag, probably, you know, unless you're one of these boat or putter guys uh, right. or girls. Um, and that what happens is if you don't use a putter cover, even if you do, the putter is the heaviest and it could clang and bounce around off of your driver or like wood shafts. And could, oh. there's like a small, oh. small chance that it could like break one of your shafts. So after seeing that putter goes back into the bottom with my four wedges. And, uh, that's all we got to say about that. It's been a long one. We we had a good pod here tonight. Time flew by for me, but I'm going to wrap it here because I got some stuff to do. I got a miniature golden doodle out there oh, probably needs another walk soon so you can follow us at adv connors him at jimmy connors me brett underscore connors at gold dude isabella on instagram any final thoughts i think we've had a good evening we've talked about a lot of good stuff and uh i think there's a lot of good things coming in the next week we got the australian open we've got the playoffs we've got a lot of good things that uh that are coming out that sounds good i love you i'll talk to you soon uh, i'm working this weekend for australian open but maybe next week come up and we'll do it in person give the girls a hug i love you love you too said so tell you mom and the, and the pups and stevie and everyone hi and i'll talk to you guys later peace